Hello, welcome to People for the Plants, Plants for the People. I'm Olivia Birch here today to share more from Plants Have So Much to Give Us, All We Have to Do is Ask by Mary C. Sip Geniuses. Today I would like to introduce through her lens Staghorn Sumac. I personally love Staghorn Sumac as a landscaping plant. I think it creates really wonderful dimension and the red berries last all winter long and create some color when the rest of the landscape is sort of quiet and more focused on browns and golds and other colors. I have a lot of special memories with sumacs. Sometimes when I was in my early days of running, I would run past this patch that always seemed to wave at me as I went by and uh, kind of encouraged me along my way because I'm not really a big fan of running all the time. And they just always gave me a sense of fortitude, even though they also have a sort of delicate, graceful way of um, standing and bending. Um, and they're soft, uh, soft stems and, and everything like that. So I really liked what uh, Mary had to share in, in her book, and I thought I would bring it all to you as well. And so I'm just going to read from her entry, and I hope you all enjoy it. Here we are. When I was a girl growing up in Canada, I learned a poem in school, William Wilfred Campbell's Indian Summer. We learned a lot of poetry in those days. It was supposed to be a way to increase memory and was much used as a teaching method with grade school age children. I am sure that I benefited from the technique, even if it did not increase my personal ability to remember. It did leave me with a lifelong phrase or two that come back to me in dreams and whenever I see a stand of sumac in the fall. Along the line of smoky hills, the crimson forest stands, and all the day the blue jay calls through the autumn lands. Now by the brook the maple leans with all his glory spread, and all the sumacs on the hills have turned their green to red. Now by great marshes wrapped in mist or past some river's mouth, throughout the long still autumn day, wild birds are flying south. The sight of a stand of frost-touched flame-colored sumac in the fall is one of the great compensations for me for the loss of summer. For some strange reason, people who do not know sumac always immediately worry about poison sumac. In the lower parts of Wisconsin and Michigan, but much less in the northern parts of these two states, we do have a poison sumac, but it would be very difficult to confuse it with staghorn sumac. Poison sumac grows in swamps and bogs, while the staghorn grows in dry, sandy places on hills, in old fields, or along roadsides. Poison sumac has smooth, hairless twigs and buds, while the staghorn sumac is covered with a light, downy fuzz, which gives it the common name of staghorn because it is reminiscent of the fuzz that covers a stag's new antlers in the spring. Poison sumac has dirty, white-colored berries in spreading and drooping loose stalks, while the staghorn has dark, wine-red berries that grow in a tight clump at the end of branches. It would be difficult to confuse the two plants. 
poison sumac might give the person who touches it dermatitis similar to that of poison ivy, but both problems can be avoided with the use of the sap of jewelweed, which always seems to be growing near both poison sumac and poison ivy. It is as if creator placed the plants together so that the remedy will be within reach to eliminate the pain of the disease. The eye candy that staghorn sumac becomes in the fall is one of the is only one of the virtues it has to share with the people. At the same time as the leaves turn, the staghorn sumac also has clusters of berries that grow on the top of the plant on the ends of the branches. One should pick the berry clusters during fine dry days, not after a period of rain for two reasons. First, they dry very easily if one picks them dry, avoiding mold that may render them useless. Dried, they can be kept and used all winter. Second, the acid that the berries contain is very water-soluble, and it may be considerably reduced if the berries have been exposed to the long, drenching rains of autumn. Therefore, take the berries on a warm, sunny afternoon after a dry spell. The berries thus gathered make a really nice lemonade-type drink that most people find pleasant and refreshing. The only trick is getting to the berries before the ants and other insects have had a chance to find them. One could float the clumps in water to remove the insects, but that will reduce some of the flavor as well. Personally, I just take non-buggy berries for use as a drink and I keep the insect-infested ones for use in dyes. To make the drink, one crushes a clump or two of the berries and either pours boiling water over them or pours them in a cooled water and sets the jar in the sun the way one makes sun tea. However, because the whole of the staghorn sumac is covered with tiny hairs, it is necessary to filter the solution before one drinks it because the tiny hairs will irritate one's throat. I use a double thickness of cheesecloth to filter out the hairs, but a coffee filter would work too. The resulting drink is either is good either hot like a tea or cold like lemonade. Sweetened with honey, the tea is very soothing on a scratchy sore throat as well. If using the boiling water method, allow the water to cool a few degrees before pouring it over the berries to retain more of the vitamin C. There is another medicine in the staghorn sumac that Anishinaabe have used traditionally. The blossoms that appear on the spring on the plant in the spring are dried and used to make a tea that in times past was used to lessen the pain of stomach aches. He always said, though, that when a chemical is in one part of a plant, it is often in the whole plant. It is usually less in the upper part of a plant and concentrated in the root. So if there is a medicine in the blossoms, it is also probably in the leaves as well. The sumac has several virtues that it shares for artistic purposes too. If one carves the fresh wood, it will exude a moist substance that will shellac the finished product. Pipe stems carved of living standing sumac will, within days or a month at most, have a beautiful glossy finish. Then the pipe stem is cut from the plant. A hole can be easily bored in the middle of the stem with a sharp long stick or it can be very easily burned out. One takes a wire coat hanger, straightens it, heats it in a fire, and uses it to burn out the interior pulp of the stem. The pulp in the interior of the sumac stem makes a wonderful strong dye. 
I once used it to dye porcupine quills a brilliant yellow. I also, at the same time, used a commercial dye to dye another batch of quills yellow. Then I left both the sumac and the commercially dyed quills side by side on a windowsill that got light most of the day. After about six months, the sumac quills were still very bright yellow, but the commercially dyed quills were a very pale cream color. Obviously, the sumac has a much more lasting dye. My husband, Bob, is an artist, and he makes sculptures out of handmade paper. He and his artistic partner were sitting at my kitchen table one day bemoaning the fact that their favorite dye, Cambian Yellow, would no longer be available because the one mine in the world that produced the mineral that made the dye was going out of business. The entire vein of the ore had been worked out. The mine had been in business for hundreds of years and it had produced all of that particular shade of yellow that was used in various fine oil paints and dyes. I laughed at them. I said, look at your hands. They had just spent the afternoon cutting and stacking a large stand of sumac that had been growing around the studio in which they made their paper. Their hands were dyed beautiful shades of yellow from their contact with the sumac they had been cutting. I said, why bemoan a fancy French pigment when you have an endless supply of the same color? There is so much of it that you consider it a weed and root it out while it is growing all around your workshop. I showed them the porcupine quills that I had dyed with the sumac pith and had tested against the commercially available dye stuff for a whole winter. They looked at the color, then they looked at each other, and then they both ran out the door, jumped in the car, and raced back to their studio to get the sumac they had just cut and stacked by the road for the garbage truck. They got back in time to save the sumac, which was suddenly a valuable art commodity and no longer garbage. They pithed the stems and used the pulp to make an absolutely beautiful batch of Cambian yellow cotton rag paper. There are numerous other artistic applications of sumac. The pith of the stems will also make a long-lasting paint if it is mixed with oil or grease. The pith will also dye wool yellow, either alone or mixed with the inner bark of the sumac stalk. All parts of the sumac, except for the roots, can be used for dyes. The leaves and bark will make interesting yellows. The berries will make a lovely deep gray that can be deepened further by adding rusty iron nails or cooking the dye in a rusty iron kettle or by adding commercial iron mordant. The leaves are very rich in tannins and they can be used fresh or dyed as a mordant to make vegetable fibers like cottons and linens retain colors of other dyes too. Some people use sumac straight as dye. Other people mix the sumac with the roots of bloodroot and or the roots of ozawijibik, gold thread. But since those two plants are such fine medicinals, I just use the sumac straight. It is so plentiful in our area that a person should be able to gather all that they would conceivably need because the sumac will happily regrow in the same patch even if one cuts a number of its stalks since it spreads readily by root suckers. When gathering sumac berries for tea or art and when cutting stalks for the wood or pith for dyes, one must remember the others who love the sumac too. The berries are very valuable to birds because they hang on the plants well into the snows. Many birds such as grouse, morning doves, crows, bluebirds, flickers, catbirds, robins, phoebes, and thrushes eat them. 
The young growth is a favorite winter food of rabbits and hares and deer and moose. Leave a little on the table for the rest of the family. All right. Well, I really enjoyed that piece. I think she brings up so many beautiful points about the connection that sumac has to not only our artistic world as well as medicinal world, but also just how it is food for other creatures. Um, she paints a really whole picture of the plant in its setting. Um, so thank you for listening today on WDRT Viroqua. Um, and please contact me with any comments, questions, concerns, enthusiasm, etc. Um, have a great day.